You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. So I want to take you back to um, the most important day of my life. Um, A day I'll forever be grateful for. Um, And I long for you to have that same day in your life. So I was a, a freshman in college. and It was a miserable year and a wonderful year, my freshman year. We were, I, I was living in a situation where there's three students in a room. If there's two students and a twin, at least there's equality. You both like each other or you don't like each other. But if you live with three people, the chance of somebody being the outsider, that was me. So that was, that was kind of miserable. And... Um, then my, my girlfriend at the time, back in Kansas City, she met Jesus. And she really met him. And she's studying Revelation in the end times, and she's excited about all this stuff. And it caused me to really question what I believe. Um, I was baptized Lutheran, but did not know what Lutheran meant. I couldn't tell you what Lutheran meant. I knew I was baptized. Are you a Christian? Sure. I'm a Lutheran. I was baptized. I didn't know what those things meant. Um, I believed conceptually in Jesus, maybe. I told people I did. Um, so I went on a journey. It was a miserable journey and a wonderful journey. I started asking people what they believe about that spring quarter torpedoing my classes. I was, t- I was talking to them, hey, what do you believe about God and life and the afterlife and all this stuff? And I, I don't know. How could you even know? Uncertainty everywhere. How could you even know what, what to believe? Go read a Catholic catechism. Follow these seven sacraments. Oh, and by the way, you can't know. Right out of the catechism. Go talk to a Muslim. Follow the five pillars. Well, can you know? Well, no. How can you know? Uncertainty everywhere. I come back to Kansas City, and uh, first time I've ever heard a verse out of 1 John, 1 John 5, 13. These things have I, written to you, I have written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know, that you may know you have eternal life. The concept that you could actually know you have eternal life when everyone I talked to, everything I read was uncertainty, and that's the opposite of what the Bible says? Rock my world. I'll never forget that day. It's, it's the, the thing I'm so thankful for. Like I believed it before I accepted it too. I, I was hesitating to the end because of control. I was afraid. What would God make me do or give up if I gave my life to Christ? Well, finally, July 20th, I was ready to surrender. And I'll never forget that day. When I, I told God I was a sinner. He knew that. And I knew that. And that I, was, I believed Jesus died and rose. And I did believe it now, finally. And I was ready to surrender. That day changed me forever. And 
I want to talk to you today about the most important day of your life. Because there's people. Maybe you're online. You're sitting in Olathe. You're, you're five feet away from someone you would swear is a believer, and they are not. You're in the venue. Someone's leading in our worship team, and they are not a believer. Like, you cannot, just because it's a horrifying thought, there's people who you would swear, maybe next to you, well, of course they're a believer. Are they? Have they received the gospel? Because you, you can tell if they have, by the way. They can tell at some point. They can forget. We're going to talk about the day. They had you received the most important story ever told, which is the good news of Jesus. I have, and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Let's pray. God, um, we need you to do you. Do what you do right now in people's hearts. We need your Holy Spirit to reveal, to share your love with people, to share this story. For those who have received the gospel, but they looks like they've kind of gotten over it, and they go back and revisit the greatest moment and day of their life, which changed everything, and be thankful once again. For those who don't know you, even if they think they do, even if they deceive themselves, somebody else deceived them, even if they're in denial about it. Take the blindness away, Lord. Help them to see themselves through the good news of Jesus, what the story of Jesus tells us about you and us and the world. And I ask you to do this in Jesus' name, Lord. In your name, Jesus. Amen. All right. I'm going to try to compose myself, but I'm not making promises. Um, we're going to be, uh, we're going to story right now, our series is called Good News, and um, the reason we call it Good News is there's a Greek word that God chose to summarize the story of Jesus, and the word is good news, euangelion in Greek, euangelion, which you get the word evangelism, it's a transliteration right from the Greek. Evangelism is good news. The story of Jesus is good news. These tears are joy brokenness and joy um, and thankfulness. So we're going to be at verse Romans 1.16. Uh, it talks about, we're going to talk about this in three parts. We're going to talk about what the gospel is and how you can know if you receive the gospel and give you a chance to receive it. Um, so Romans 1.16 says, for I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it that gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. We're going to unpack this verse in three chunks. We're going to talk about what is the gospel again. We'll give you four quick verses on what that is so you can share the gospel, the good news of Jesus uh, with people. And it's, it's good news. Then we're going to talk about the power of God. Like, how can you know if you've received the gospel? You can know. You can know, 1 John 5, 13, you can know. And then I'm going to give you a chance to receive it by faith. So, that's today. Um, Have you received the good news? That's the question. It's the most important question of life. The first phrase in Romans 1, 16 says this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. 
So the Apostle Paul writes that. He's writing to a church at Rome. He's not visited yet. He's going to take a mission trip there at some point. He keeps getting waylaid. Um, and he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Of the, the word gospel is euangelion, the good news of Christ. Same word. I'm not ashamed of the good news of Christ. Are you ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Are you ashamed to be associated with Jesus or the gospel? Paul says, I am not ashamed. Are you one of those Jesus freaks? I'm not sure how much of a freak I am, but yeah, I am not ashamed of the good news of Christ. Do you believe Jesus is God, really? Born a virgin? Yeah, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Do you believe Jesus is the only way to go to heaven? Yes. Count me in. I'm a believer. I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Christ. Are you ashamed? Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The good, I'm not ashamed. So I'm going to share the good news in four, uh, four uh, by, by the way, number one, what is the gospel? It's the fact that Jesus reconciled God's justice and love. That Jesus reconciles justice. God is shockingly fair, horrifyingly fair, and love. God is wonderful, perfect love. And Jesus reconciled that. So I'm going to share four quick characteristics of God in four quick verses from Romans. So here's the thing. How how does God deal with sinners in this world? There's two characteristics of God that he engages with sinners in this world. Sinners are people who have not yet received Jesus. We all start like sinners. We all start as sinners. And the day you get saved, you receive Christ as Savior, you were a sinner. You no longer are. The real you is not. Romans 7. But there's there's a wrath of God on every day a person lives without Jesus. Because every day is full of sin. Anything you do without faith in Christ is independence and sin. And then it goes on from there. There's a wrath of God being stored up. Why didn't God bring the smack down on people? Because of his goodness. See, why doesn't God do something about that? Ever thought that? Why did he do something about that? Because he's good. That's why he doesn't do something about it. Yeah, people are storing up wrath. He doesn't do something. Why, why is he waiting? He's trying to give out of his goodness space and time for them to respond to the Spirit and turn back to him. That's what he's doing. And someday at the final judgment, there's going to be justice of God. God's going to be shockingly fair. I wish life was fair. You don't want to wish that. Seriously. You don't want that. But that's okay, because God is love. Jesus solved it. How could he be shockingly fair and get you out of it? Well, be fair on him. Your sins went on him out of his love. Like that's, that's, This is really good news. Good news that changed my life. Uh, so those four verses, by the way. The first one's Romans 1, 18, talks about the wrath of God being stored up on people who are not yet believers in Christ. Every day of their life is an offense to God because they're living independent, rejecting his son. Look, he says, Romans 1, 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth Humans are truth suppressors in that state. Suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So what what makes God angry? Well, God has revealed truth to them about himself. And you can learn that through science and psychology. Romans 1, from science. You can learn from science that there is a first cause to the universe. There's a beginning. 
and from science that that beginner is almighty. You can learn that from science, Romans chapter one. Romans two, from psychology, you can learn that there is such a thing as right versus wrong. There is morality. God's revealed that truth. Every day a person without Christ lives their life without the gospel. They are suppressing the truth that there is a first cause, a creator who is all powerful and there's some right versus wrong. And they suppress the truth and live in sin. It builds up God's wrath. But God's so loving. He's so good. He gives them space to sin because he's waiting on them to turn back to him. That's what he hopes. His goodness is space to return. Romans 2, 4. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness? Do you despise the riches of his goodness? Forbearance and long-suffering? Not knowing that the goodness of God, that space where God does not put the smack down on people, leads you to repentance. Like God's goodness giving you space is to give you time and space to turn back to him. Okay, so someday in heaven, there is a final judgment. Romans 2.16 talks about that. And without Jesus, that wrath stored up will be judged. Romans 2.16, in the day at the final judgment, when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel, according to the good news, The good news is that Jesus died so you would not have your secrets judged. It's final judgment. Every secret thing is judged by the standard perfection of Jesus Christ. That's a nightmare. God is shockingly, horrifyingly fair. But he's also pure love. And Jesus reconciled that. Look over in Romans 5, verse 8. God is love. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love. He demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, we still had the secrets, Christ died for us. See, Jesus solved at the cross this tension between God is shockingly fair and pure love. Well, I got to be fair, but I'm also got to be love. So at the cross, he showed his love and the fairness of God was poured out on him. So that Romans 5, 9 says, I'll just read it, it's not on the screen, but it says, basically, we shall be saved from wrath through him. That wrath that we were storing up is gone. It is gone. That is good news. That's good news. It's gone like it never happened. Poured out on Jesus, and it's just and fair now. Guys, have you received the good news of Christ? That's the gospel. We were hopeless. God loved us in our hopeless state. He died for us and showed us his love. Okay, that's the gospel. Um, how do you know if you've received it? Well, there's power. Romans 1.16. Romans 1.16 says, um, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, that story of Jesus, is the power of God to salvation. So when you believe that story, it unleashes power in your soul. Power. You can sense that power. That power is a person. That power is the Holy Spirit. Number two, if you want to write this down, number two, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power of God inside believers. 
The Holy Spirit is the power of God inside believers. That gospel unlocks, unleashes the power of God. We really that story. So who is the Holy Spirit? He's a person. There are three persons. One God, three persons. The Father, God the Father, invisible and in charge. God the Son, the visible part of God that we can see. That's second at the right hand of God. The Holy Spirit, invisible all around this world. And the day you receive Christ as Savior, that power of the gospel is unleashed in the presence of the Holy Spirit inside you. So, so I want to ask you, which lantern are you more like? These represent two types of people. If you're online, you're in a Latha venue, the auditorium, you're only one of two types of people. You Notice these two lanterns. They are the same in design, like humans are. One is not better than the other. They're both equal. They have uniqueness, but they're the same. The only thing different about these lanterns, the only thing different about these people is the presence of a light inside them, the presence of power inside them, the presence of the Spirit inside them. Do you sense the power of God and the Holy Spirit inside you? And by the way, people will pray, oh God, give me more of the Holy Spirit. Give me more of the Holy Spirit. You don't need more of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's a person. You got all that person you're ever going to get. You don't get more of the Holy Spirit. You don't get like uh, you know, a little of the Holy Spirit any more than you get a little pregnant. Are you pregnant? Well, just a little. You don't get a little pregnant. You get pregnant. And that's a person. So you get fully pregnant with a person. You get fully filled with the Spirit. And guess what? God does need more of you. He wants more of you. That's what you need more of. You don't need more Spirit. God needs more of you. That's how it goes. More surrender. More following. More love. More thankfulness. More. He needs more of you. And so we see this by the Romans chapter 8. Verse 9, the second half of it, Romans 8, 9. Look at that second statement in there. Um, it points out which lantern, this is the, talking about this lantern over here without the light. Uh, now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not his. That's the test. You can know. You can know. So how do you know if you have the Holy Spirit? So I sent out uh, online and said, hey, send me examples of the first time you sensed the Holy Spirit in your life. And I received several, and I have three, three, uh, three verses and some examples for each of these. So one of the ways you know the Holy Spirit is in you is the Holy Spirit's leading you. You sense hands on the, dry, on the steering wheel of your life. Where did that come from? That's the Holy Spirit trying to steer you now. Look what it says in, in Romans 8, verse 14. Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. If the Spirit of God is leading you or trying to lead you, these are the sons of God. That's how you know. You ever sense the Holy Spirit leading you from the inside? If not, you might be the empty lantern. So what's that look like, by the way, to be led from the inside? So three quick examples here. One person wrote, um, after they received Christ, their first awareness was that, you know, the, the analogy of your life's like a car. They said they, they sensed hands on the steering wheel of their life trying to turn the wheel. And that was a shock. What was going on? If anyone is led by the Spirit of God, well, they're a, they're a child of God. Are you led by the Spirit? Another person who said they were praying, praying for direction. God, give me direction. Give me life direction. Give me life direction. And the Spirit gave them the words, homeschool. No! God, they were like, I want a direction, and you told me you want me to homeschool my kids. All right. But that's evidence of being led from within by the Spirit. 
So for me, I, I, uh, my example of being led by the Spirit, one of them, is um, I was finishing my bachelor's degree and had gotten into the master's program. It's just one year for a master's, better position, better degree, better salary. I had that option or return to Kansas City, get a job, and be trained for ministry, maybe, for pastoring or missionary, maybe. And as I prayed about it, I was led by the Spirit. The more I prayed about it, the worse I felt about staying. And the more at peace I felt about returning to Kansas City. If anyone is led by the Spirit, they are a child of God. Are you led by the Spirit? That's evidence. Or could you be more like this one? They look the same. Okay, how else do you sense the Spirit in your life? The Spirit will bear witness with you. The Spirit from within you will whisper to you or speak to you, You're mine. You're mine. I love you. You're mine. Uh, so that's Romans 8, verse 16. Romans 8, 16. Uh, the Spirit himself bears witness, talks to us with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's what the Spirit whispers. You are a child of God. So four quick examples here. One person uh, sent a story about when they were baptized, they felt almost like Jesus was standing there with them. You're mine. Another person was praying one time, a lot of fear in their life, and they heard the sentence placed in their mind, I have more love than you have fear. I have more love than you have fears right now. Another person was listening to songs and just was sensed how much in that song, how much God loves that person. You're mine. Another person had a dream. And so this person had lost their husband, uh, a single mom now, and was really struggling with the whole thing. And in a dream, God spoke to her and gave her the promise from Psalms, God will be a defender of the widow and a father to the fatherless. In a dream, you're mine. So do you have the Spirit of God? Because if you have the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. We are the children of God. Which one are you more like? Have you received the gospel? The gospel is the power of God. To salvation. One more uh, verse, this, uh, two verses. I'm going to leave Romans and go to Galatians 5 for the fruit of the Spirit. So Galatians 5, uh, 22 and 23 is a list of nine fruit of the Spirit. They're called the fruit of the Spirit. Nine character qualities that are not you, that are character of God in you, and you sense those characters from the presence of God in you. It's not you. Roman, uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Peace that's not you. Long suffering, putting up with people that's not you. Kindness, goodness that's not you. Faithfulness, gentleness, self control that's not you. That's the character of God in you. Two examples of that, uh, of me sensing it. One positive, one negative. Well, they both were positive. The negative was positive. You'll see in a second. So number, number three and number six on that list. Number three is peace. First time I sensed the fruit of the Spirit was driving home from receiving Christ at this guy's house. A Wednesday night, July 20th, I'm driving home. And I had, it had been months since I had peace. 
months. Driving home that day, I felt peace for the first time in months. And that was not me. That was Christ in me. Do you sense the fruit of the Spirit in you? Number six. Number six is goodness. Um, And this is where, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit, you say, goodness, that's awesome. It's always positive. No, it's not. Because, okay, so I, I started thinking about and engaging in activities that used to, I used to not feel bad about some of these things. Like, I felt pretty good about these things. And now, I felt bad about these things. How can I feel bad about these things? Because it was not goodness. So the Holy Spirit will tell you, no, 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 stop. Or just, the Holy Spirit does that sometimes. And I'm like, where is this coming from? How can I not feel, how can I feel bad about something I used to have no conscience about? That is goodness of the Holy Spirit. Do you sense the power of God inside you? Which one are you more like? The, by the way, there, is, there are people who forget they have the Holy Spirit and still have the Holy Spirit. You can write down if you want, 1 John 3, 16, and read on. He says, sometimes God will live in you and take away your awareness of his presence on purpose because you're not living for him and he's not going to make you feel comfortable living in disobedience. So he's going to take away an awareness of his presence when he's not gone anywhere. He does that sometimes because he loves you. Because he loves you. That's First John 3. All right, so um, which one are you more like? Do you, do you sense the spirit in you? All right, I'm, let's go to the final point back in Romans 1.16. Romans 1.16 um, says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Oh, that's nice. Man, it's nice to have everyone who believes. Not a, you don't understand. If you like it, you... If you like it, you don't fully understand it then. If you like that, you probably don't understand it. For everyone who believes, that means the worst person that ever lived. The scumbag of scumbags. If they turn to Christ, be forgiven. Because it's for everyone who believes. I mean, it's the best person you know. Who sacrifices and gives and helps if they don't believe. Is not forgiven. See, I didn't think you understood that. For everyone who believes. Number three, the gospel is received by faith. The gospel is received by faith. By belief, not works. For everyone who believes. Sounds great until you think about it. Um, so, and it's true, by the way. So what, what, is, what do these people have in common? There's two people here. Um, Mother Teresa and Charles Manson. Well, the first answer is not much. There's not much in common between these two people. So, uh, Charles Manson, a monster. Mind control, caused suffering and murder. Mother Teresa, a humanitarian, gave up privilege to live among the most disenfranchised and and alleviate suffering. What is in common about these guys? Not much, except for the fact that it's for everyone who believes. Which means this. If Charles Manson, at the end of his life, if Charles Manson, there's no, no evidence of this, I believe he held on to the cray-cray to the very end, but if Charles Manson says, I believe in Jesus, he would have been forgiven of all that, forgiven. And if Mother Teresa, with all of her wonderful works and humanitarian efforts, if she never believed, 
would not have been forgiven. It's based on belief. And if you don't like that, like I don't like that, it's because you're underestimating how sinful you are. And you're overestimating how good you are. You're not as good as you think you are. And you're much worse than you think you are. You say, well, Charles Manson was slime. Well, you're a slime layer above slime with me. Okay, there we are. It's sinfulness. We are not good on our own nature. We're not. Romans 10 verse 9. It's not based on our, uh, our, our works. Not based on our slime we offer to God. It's based on his righteousness. And we believe to receive it. Romans 10 verse 9. Romans 10 verse 9 says this. I just flip way off into another book. That's awesome. I will join you there now. Romans 10 verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, making Jesus Lord is surrender. Jesus said in Luke, I think it's Luke 6, but it's in Luke, where he says, how do you call me Lord and not do the things which I say? To say Jesus is Lord means you put him in charge. That's surrender and belief. Believe in your heart that he was dead and he rose again for you. It's based on what you believe, not based on what you do. It's what Romans eleven six 6 says. Romans eleven six 6 compares two words that are the opposites, grace and works. Grace is not deserved. You don't deserve it. Works, you do deserve it. Salvation is by grace. You don't deserve it. Not by works where you did deserve it. He says, and if salvation is by grace, if it's not deserved, then it's no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. It's really not deserved. But if it's of works, if you deserve it, it's no longer grace. It's no longer undeserved. Otherwise, work is no longer work. It's the opposite. It's either or. It's either not deserved at all by you or earned in some way. And salvation by grace you receive through faith. Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone, no matter who they are, who believes. For the Jew first, and also for the Greek. That was the pattern. They'd go into a city, visit the synagogue, offer them. They had a Bible background. They'd get up to speed quicker, then go to non-Jewish people like me and like many of you. I beg you, which one are you guys? You can know. Are you more like this, where you sense the presence of God in you? Or more like this, where you look the same, but you've not really accepted the gospel? Not by faith. Not calling him Lord. I beg you to receive him. Father, I ask you to work in people's lives. I, ask, I beg you, please, would you right now, help people right now to receive you. Right now, wherever they're at, I pray that they would call out to you. If you don't know Christ as Savior or you want to make sure about this, pray right now. Pray, dear Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. Tell them that. And then tell him, Jesus, I place my faith in you who died and rose for me. Tell him that. You place your faith in the death and resurrection. And they say, Jesus, I make you Lord. I surrender myself and my life to you. And then just thank him. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. 
Please save me. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.